Welcome to Miss Tech Missions Ladies Podcast. This is Dodie Glover, and I'm here with Sarah Armstrong and Lydia Dales. Today, we're going to be talking about the differences between Miss Tech culture and American culture. And um, just to clarify, we are going to be speaking mostly in generalizations, recognizing that there are um, nuances even within American culture. Um, there are differences between states and cities versus the country and generations and families. Everyone has um, their more specific traditions and customs and things like that. But um, we're just going to speak in generalizations like American culture in general and how a Mistec culture differs from American culture. And um, also, just to... Um, clarify too that, you know, Mistec culture is different in a lot of ways from the general Mexican culture. Um, Many people in the U.S. don't realize how many um, indigenous people groups there are in Mexico and how diverse they all are. And so, for example, um, one thing that is the same between Mexican culture and Mistec culture is that um, when you go into a room, you have to greet everyone. You have to shake their hand and say a greeting and um, be sincere, you know, look them in the eye. And then whenever you leave, you have to degreet everyone. It's considered rude to not greet people, to not degreet people. And that kind of goes for Mexico, um, no matter where you are. Um, but here in where we live, in the village out in um, Guerrero, the Mistec people are different from the general Mexican culture because they are more removed and so therefore more closed off. Um, Historically have probably been more fearful of outsiders and so they are not super easy to get to know. Um, The general Mexican culture has a reputation of being very friendly and open and inviting and um, will welcome you into their home. And the Mistec people, while they will be polite, Um, It takes a little bit longer and you have to work a little bit harder um, to get to know them. And um, and so there's a difference, I guess, between the Mistec culture and the general Mexican culture. And there are more, but that's just to clarify that what we're going to be talking about today is specific to the Mistec culture. And um, it may overlap with Mexican culture, but um, but we're specifically talking about what we observe here in our village. And so one of the things that we observe as a major difference between um, the U.S. is that the Mistec people are very communal. They um, are very family-oriented and community-oriented. Their communities, especially the smaller communities, are made up of extended families. And so that affects um, everything they do, really, especially decision-making, whether it be, you know, government issues or um, family issues or um, where they're going to go, what they're going to do. A lot of it is um, based on what the community wants and the whole, what the group wants and not just the individual. And that is different for our society. And it's different even in like how we raise our kids. Um, you know, we, we come um, with a 
history of individualism, which is not necessarily bad, but yet we encourage our children to, you know, pursue their dreams, their career, do what they want to do with their lives. And here it might look a little different. They would probably encourage their children to contribute to the community in whatever way they could or contribute to the family. Um, That would at least be viewed as more important than the child doing what they individually wanted to do, Um, especially if the family had a need or if the community had a need, um, then um, it would be viewed as better for that child to grow up and um, stay within the family, within the community, and and not go off and and pursue um, their own dream. But um, obviously that varies from family to family. But this um, general idea of community versus individualism has an effect on all that we do, how we live and interact with people. Um, You definitely have to consider it whenever you're wanting to share the gospel because people will most often um, come to Christ in a group setting with the um, leader of the family making a decision and the family being in agreement with that leader of the family. If the leader of the family, the head of the home, is not in agreement, well, then it's harder for the rest of the family to feel the freedom to make that decision. And so and so that can be a challenge at times, but it can also be good because once people are in, once people have made the decision to um, follow Christ, then it's, um, it's a family and not just um, individual people that aren't necessarily connected. And that helps um, with the formation of a church because they already have built into their DNA that they are going to take care of each other. They live in community. They are used to that. And so... We think from what we've seen so far, at least, that that is definitely going to be helpful um, in church formation, that they will want to take care of each other. And they won't just, um, like, I guess in the U.S., we kind of get in our little comfort zone of it's me and Jesus and my relationship with Jesus. And that's not necessarily bad, but we kind of forget that we need other people in our walk with the Lord. And we need to um, give and receive from others within the community of faith. And so I think that it's um, it's definitely a positive um, for the Mestite people to um, live in community, be used to community in that regard. Um, one of the other things that we've noticed is that um, the roles within society and within a family are very different. Um, Men have certain roles and women have certain roles. A lot of times um, it's um, like taboo, I guess, for a woman to um, do what a man does or um, definitely within the family for a man to do what a woman does. But um, Lydia, what do you think about um, the gender roles, specifically, I guess, with women in their roles within the family. Yeah, so I think it's very distinct, the different roles that they have within the family setting between male and female, and then just between the adults and the children and the teenagers. Everybody has a very distinct role from what I've observed here in community. I think definitely the head of the household is typically the father. However, the head of 
like the entire family group would be the grandfather or the grandparents. Um, and so that has a big influence on how decisions are made. A lot of times they're living very closely together. A lot of their meals are shared. It's a very communal setting within the family as well as within the community. Um, but I think that has a lot of benefits for ministry with what you were saying, um, because if you can share the gospel and the grandfather or the father's interested in following Jesus or interested in learning more, he's going to be able to lead his family out in that, in allowing them to have the opportunity to hear Bible stories because he's interested in hearing them. So I think that's one of the benefits for it with ministry. However, with its benefits, it's also very challenging. Whereas if the husband or the father, grandfather is against it, it's going to be really hard to reach the women and children. Um, I think from what we've seen here, there's a lot of fathers, husbands, teenage sons who are in the States working. And I think that within the family setting, the male bears a lot of the weight of providing for the family, um, going out and finding work, whether that's in the States or whether that's here, whether that's going out to the fields and harvesting corn, whatever that looks like, they have a very big role and responsibility within the family structure to be able to provide for them in that way. However, when, since they have this responsibility, a lot of times it leaves the mother at home and she's with all the kids. She might be running their family store while the husband might be in the States working for years at a time and may leave his family in order to be able to go and make money and provide for his family. It leaves a different dynamic when he's gone because then the mother's home with the children and she's left to run the household. She's left to take care of the kids, to cook clean, run the family store, whatever that looks like. I think the woman's role is definitely um, very dominant within the household. Um, typically, she's responsible for taking care of the kids, cooking, which Sarah will talk about in a little bit. It's a very different process, and it requires a lot of time, energy, and effort just for the daily chores that they have to do. Um, but so when the husband's gone, the mother's the head of that, whatever that looks like with her children. And typically from what we've seen is that the kids here are very independent. A lot of times they are helping their mother cook. The mom will send them into town to go buy fruit or vegetables. They're gathering firewood. Whatever that looks like, they have responsibilities too, and they're expected to contribute to their family life and then also in the community. Typically the daughters, um, as they're growing up, they gain responsibilities from the mom, and they'll help her with cooking or caring for the little kids and doing the household chores, running the store, different things like that. Whatever the mom's doing, the daughters typically just step in, learn from her, and are able to help her with the responsibilities. Um, and as far as the sons, it's a little bit different. I think that they still have responsibilities, but a lot of times they um, sometimes will go out and they'll work with the father, or sometimes they might be in school a little bit longer, but typically what we've seen is that a lot of the kids here typically might go to school through middle school. High school's kind of a little more optional um, if they attend or not. A lot of people here seem to just follow the path that their family's taken for generations. So if their family had a store and it's, they've had that store for the last 30 years, the kids are probably just going to step in that role. And for the next generation, the kids are going to own the store and they're going to raise their kids to own the store. And it's just going to keep going like that. Um, sometimes the sons might learn a trade and they're able to work that trade and that's typically more common than even going to high school or pursuing 
college or education further. It's more common for them just to find a trade, be able to learn that, grow in it. And even as young as like a high school student, they might not even be in school and they might be working a trade to help contribute to the family and their um, financial needs. And so now um, we're going to get into some of the more fun details, I guess, about culture. And um, Sarah, why don't you share with us about food and art and maybe parties, all kinds of things that are um, part of the Mestet culture, but different from the United States. Absolutely. Um, Growing up in the United States, I feel like I ate a wide variety of food from Italian to Chinese, Japanese, steaks and potatoes. But here, the, the food revolves around corn. Corn is life. It's sustaining. It's survival. And the mixed people wouldn't survive without it. They all plant their corn in the mountains around where we live. And they make their tortillas from the, the corn. They have to dry the stock and get the corn off the stock and grind it from the, the, you know, it's just a process. And these women work really hard to get the tortillas on the table. They um, typically have a wooden cookhouse outside of their perhaps wooden house or maybe in the same place where they sleep where they have a little fire in the corner and a circular comal, they call it, where they cook their tortillas over the fire. Um, But it's not just tortillas that they cook. Um, Corn is for everything. They make tamales. They make atole, which is a really yummy drink. Um, What else do they make with corn? Picaritas. Pasole. Pasole, that's a big one. It's like a soup with corn. It almost looks like popcorn, but it's wet, and it's really delicious. <laughs> um, there's so many different things that they make with corn, and so corn is really, really important. Um, but they also like their salsa. You can't have a meal without salsa. Just a simple salsa with tomatoes and chilies. Salt and water is all you need. And um, Coke is also a staple for a meal. You need to have some Coca-Cola at your meal. But it's not necessary, of course. Um, Also, people will cook eggs or rice or beans to go with their tortillas. Um, I have noticed that food is so important that it can be a bridge or a barrier to the gospel. They have seen us come in, and they're very observant to see whether or not we will eat their food because some of it is different, Um, different spices or flavors, or maybe it's some dried fish that we're not used to or a frog or, you know, any kind of things. But um, I feel like it's important that when we're invited into their homes, which they will do, and they will give you their food, even if it's all that they have, they will feed you. And so I feel like for us to say, oh, no, I'm not going to eat that, that's gross, or anything like that would just be such an offense to them and could be a barrier to the gospel because you're closing off that relationship that's already hard enough to try and form. But... um Food can also be just a great time to bridge that 
relationship, which could lead to sharing the gospel because they love sitting down together and eating meals together. And they, they don't really, they would think it would be very weird to, to not offer you something to eat if you go to their house to visit them. So food is super important in the mixed up culture. And parties. Um, parties are a little different here. In the States, you have your typical birthday party where you invite your 10 children and their parents might come and you have your lineup of events and games and pinata and this. I've noticed that here in the community, there, I haven't seen many pinatas. Actually, I haven't seen any. Whereas in the Mexican culture, there's pinata at every party. Here I haven't seen any. It's more of a meal where you invite the entire neighborhood, you invite all your family members. And one of the cool things about living here is that so many people are connected. Everybody's an aunt or an uncle or a cousin. Um, so the typical party here, you invite everyone to eat, and you might need to be prepared to feed 100 people that are going to cycle through your house within you know, maybe a three-hour span. And if you stay for the cake, great. If you just literally come and get a plate of food and leave because you're such good friends or family members, that's okay too. Um, but I have noticed as an outsider in their community, it's important for us to stay when we can for the cake. And when the cake is served, then you're free to go. Um, we have learned also that it's almost better to not go to an event than to leave early because it's kind of offensive to them to see you leaving early. Maybe they think you're not having fun or I don't know, but it's important to, to try and stay as long as you can. <clears throat> some, t some parties might be a little bit bigger um, bigger scale, like a, maybe a Mother's Day party or... Well, there's the community parties. There's going to be um, the Saints Day fiestas and um, I guess, yeah, maybe if you're working in the government office, there might be parties that would pertain to that or... Um, but I think a lot of it circles around birthdays and maybe baptism, baby baptisms, mm -hmm. um, or confirmations, those kinds of things, those events that are common for the Catholic Church. Yeah, and at those events, there might be music and some dancing. And in the American culture, I feel like we're used to a wide variety of music. You know, you got the hip-hop, country, pop. But here, it's pretty basic. Mixed deck music it has the same beat. And there's a very distinct dance that the mixed deck people do, um, where you're just kind of move, shuffling your feet back and forth and kind of bumping into each other. And you're not really smiling. You kind of keep a straight face. Everyone keeps a straight face, but they are having fun. And so <laughs> it is a really fun time for them. But that is a huge difference in our dancing, you know, from the states to mixed deck culture. And something I've noticed, too, is that um, it seems like the musicians are mostly men. And um, that, I guess, is an okay thing for as far as art. You know, like men can express um, 
themselves in an artistic way through music. Again, it's okay. Um, but for the women, it's more like, um, they're, um, sewing their, um, using the loom or the cross stitch, um, technique to make, um, the weepil, which is their special kind of shirt or, um, the satma or the servilleta, which is their tortilla wrap that they have. Um, women are, um, do that, but the men, um, are the musicians. And it's just interesting to me, you know, like, um, I haven't really seen that many women musicians out here, uh, in the general Mexican population, there are, you know, women mariachis and things like that. But as out here, it's just, I think a little, um, maybe more of a socially accepted role through the years that the men are the musicians and the, the women have other means of expressing themselves artistically. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. The women are definitely big into sewing. Anytime I stop by someone's house, the woman is usually either hand sewing a tablecloth or like you said, a napkin for their tortillas or a shirt. And it's so colorful and beautiful and they have flowers on them and animals and different kinds of Mexican designs. It's beautiful. And I love watching the older women sitting at their looms because I feel like that's such an, um, it's just passing away with the generations, you know, to where someone can actually do that. It seems so incredibly complicated to me. Um, but walking around town, you'll see several older ladies sitting at their looms and they're actually weaving these, um, these shirts, which is, I think, just very unique. Yes, which can be a great opportunity to sit down and say, wow, what you're doing is so beautiful. And, and perhaps talking with that person about what they're doing and getting to know them. It's really interesting, the cultural difference here, too, just of the speed of life, because I feel like a lot of people here, they have time or they take time to sit down and sew, and they take time that they can sit down and they can eat as a family, whereas I feel like in the States, our rush culture, everybody just has something to do and you have to get to the next thing, that there's never enough time just to sit and to talk with people or to sit and to be able to sew, like, they're able to do here. And so I think that's a really cool bridge to the gospel too, because a lot of times I'll be walking out in the community and I'll see somebody that I know and they're like, Oh, Hey. And so you stop and talk for a minute. And just in my mindset, I have to change my mindset because sometimes I'm like, Oh, I'm sure they have lots to do. Like I should keep going. And then it's like, wait, no, they're literally sitting in their store. I could sit down. I could spend a few hours. I could spend a few minutes, however long I have talking with them. And it's not going to affect anything. They're going to continue on with life. They're going to continue taking care of their kids and their store and cooking, whatever they're doing. You can just join alongside of them. So I feel like that's a big difference for ministry here versus in the States or other places um, is just the speed of life and how that affects a lot of different things that we do here. It's true. Yes, I think that connects back to the communal way of life and that um, their their pace out here in the community is definitely slower. Um obviously there's less to do. And so, um, there's more downtime. Um, but that can be a good thing. Like Lydia said, more conversations and, um, just hanging out and, um, doing life together. Um, you don't feel the rush of having to go off and to another meeting or event or, um, thing to where you have to, where you, another thing that you're responsible for. And so that's, um, I think a huge thing that we can just, um, learn to slow down and he, see people and hear people and, um, and yeah. And so I think that being here, it, it helps us to see 
our own culture differently. And I mean, obviously it's not that one culture is better than another, um, but we are definitely um, open. We have our eyes open to see um, the good. And so I think that being out here and living in a place where the the pace is slower and um, things are different, we have to make changes to our life because of the people, um, that are the culture that we live in. Um, and just as it would be, if other cultures came to the States, they would have to adjust their life to the general culture of the States. Um, we observe, we see the things in this culture that are different, but in a good way. And of course we see things that are different and, and maybe not a good way, but then our eyes are also open to see things in our own culture that are, um, maybe not best and, um, be willing to adapt our own ways, even when we go back to the States and, um, kind of have a different mindset as to how we want to, um, to live life and how we want to, um, do church and, um, live in a community of faith and how we want to raise our kids and, um, and so I really do appreciate the Mistec culture and the things that they have taught us and um, hope that all of you that are listening also kind of um, just look around you and see, you know, um, who else is there, you know, what other cultures are around you and what can you learn from them. And, um, and then, you know, recognize that um, change is good. Sometimes you might be thrown for a loop if you're interacting with another um, culture, but learning and growing in that is always good for us, I think. So do y'all have any other final comments? Yeah, absolutely, Dodie. I agree with you 100%. Um, it's such a great opportunity for us to to open our eyes to the world and just so uh, just everything that's around us and the simplicity that... Um, that really that God wants for our lives, I feel like is so rich here in the mixed culture, just due to the simplicity of their dress and their life and their food. And so it's really just some, it's a beautiful thing. The mixed culture and the American culture are both beautiful in their own ways. And it's great to be a part of both of them. Okay. Well, thank you for um, listening today. We, um, are excited about having a more and more podcasts from Mies Tech Missions Ladies Podcast. Thank you.